0: And welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Thursday, February the 10th. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's life and God's goodness and God's beauty surrounding you, within you, among you here today. My friends, thank you for uh, taking time to break open God's Word with me. Hey, something you can do uh, if, uh, and I haven't said this for a while for those long time listeners. But if you are listening to this, you know, and, and really it doesn't matter on what forum. But uh, if you are able to rate it, and uh, and that's not for my ego, that is not for uh, anything of that sort. However, if this has been a, a blessing to you, if this is something you wish other people to hear, rating it will just help other people when they do a search. Uh, it'll help it just rise uh, closer to the top. And so, if that is something you wish to do. I just thank you for uh, taking time to do that sometime, uh, whether, you know, whenever the Spirit moves you. So thanks so much for for attending to that. Hey, my friends, we are going to um, continue through Mark's Gospel, Chapter 7. We're going to pick up exactly where we left off yesterday. So if you recall, yesterday Jesus was speaking to the crowds, and he was speaking about the whole idea of, um, you know, uh, what we take in and how do we guard that. And uh, and uh, not look at the lesser, but look at the larger. And of course, that's our heart. And uh, what we bring out in the world is based on what we put in uh, into that. So this today's gospel is going to immediately follow that. He's going to get out of town, and he's confronted with a different situation. So let's break open God's Word. If you're following along, it will be Mark chapter 7, verses 24 to 30. Let's break open God's Word. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus went to the district of Tyre. He entered a house and wanted no one to know about it, but he could not escape notice. Soon a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him. She came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syro-Phoenician by birth, and she begged him to drive the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied and said to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. Then he said to her, For saying this you may go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. When the woman went home, She found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So let's set up this reading first and foremost. And this is a difficult one, brothers and sisters. I mean, Jesus is very human here. Maybe, maybe. I I don't know. So... Okay, before we dive into that stuff, let's just, uh, where's Tyre? T-Y-R-E, by the way. He's not under a vehicle. Um, so Tyre, and often it's it's um, uh, kind of appropriated or, or twinned with Sidon, S-I-D-O-N. So Tyre and Sidon are both along the Mediterranean. So they are on the western side, and they are north of Galilee. So they are in what we would call modern-day Syria, or not Syria, excuse me, Lebanon today they would be south of Beirut, but north of Galilee. So they were outside of uh, Jewish territory, primarily. Although plenty of Jews would live up there. I mean, it, it's not like the borders contained them. But it was, um, uh, well, it was under the Roman Empire, but so was Israel. But even in, in this instant, you see that Jesus is trying to get out of Dodge. So he's just not known. you know. And where where better to go than out of, uh, Jewish territory, right? And so he's going into the house of a woman. I, I'm sure she was a, a Jewish woman. Um, but then, uh, another person, uh, came and saw that he was there and this woman was a Greek, basically meaning a Gentile. And that is, you know, the, the interplay here today is based on that. But the other thing I thought was, uh, of particular note, I remember a story one time, uh, and this was years and years ago. I think it was back when I lived out in Laramie, so this had to be 20 years ago. And, uh, and it was a story about John Elway. And again, I, I don't know if it's true or if it's apoco- uh, apocalyptic. Uh, apocryphal, let's use that word instead. Um, but ultimately, what what John was purported to have said is uh, he would give up any amount of money he had at that point to not be known, meaning to go out to a restaurant and, and just be able to have dinner with his wife and not have people come up to him or to be able to take a walk through the city that he loved and not have people come up and ask for autograph, uh, or, or not be walking through a park and have people pointing at him. That, that something that you and I take for granted every day, uh, that celebrities have to deal with is, there's nowhere they can run from their celebrity, or very very few places, and that makes life—I mean, it, it, you give up a freedom for that, and at what level is it, is it worth that? Well, Jesus, in his mission and ministry—not for wealth, not for fame, not for fortune—he did it out of the, the call of God, and in uh, here we see that same idea going on, Right? He entered a house and wanted no one to know about it, but he could not escape notice, not even there, not even outside of Jewish territory. People knew and brought brought people to him. So let's get to the interplay. What is happening here? Now, brothers and sisters, uh, I am not going to uh, try to pretend that I have the last word on this. Um, I I don't. But uh, here's what I know. We've got an interchange happening here. And it's an interchange between unequals. Now, we may say, well, of course it's between unequals. Jesus is the son of God. Anytime he dealt with anybody, it's unequals. Now, nah, I mean, don't look at it that way, brothers and sisters, um, because I would challenge us in any gospel reading uh, to, to show where Jesus held himself above other people. He simply didn't. He, he held himself on the same level, which is why this gospel should make us uncomfortable because this is the only gospel that I can recall, other than when he gives the dickens to the Pharisees and scribes. But even then, he does not—now, uh, He now he calls them whitewashed tombs, right? He calls them hypocrites. He nails them, uh, but only because—not because of who they are, but because of how they are, are living, how they are are living in illusion and pretending. This is the only gospel, the only passage in all four gospels that I can think of that Jesus treats someone uh, different, seemingly with uh, with lesser dignity and respect. Now, is he really doing that? And again, there would be people that would argue yes. There would be people that argue would argue no. And I've heard both sides of that. And I don't know the answer. I'm not final on that. But let's take a look at it from what's happening. So, okay, we know it's a Greek, right? Uh, it's a Gentile. It's, it's The world was divided, and you know this, into Jews and the Gentiles, basically the Jews being the people of God and everybody else, uh, those who were not followers of the God of Israel. And so this person who was asking him the favor because the daughter is, you know, um, inhabited by a spirit, whatever that looks like, um, was would not have been a follower of the God of Israel, of Yahweh. Uh, of, of jehovah and so uh she comes to him begging for a favor and he says listen let the children be fed first meaning the jews the children the the god's children for it is not right to take the food of the children meaning these miracles meaning these uh these words of mine meaning these um uh, the the teaching that i've done and feed them and throw it to the dogs to those who are lesser now, is he insulting her by calling her a dog? I read something today before I came that said the term dog he uses here is um, not meaning a street dog, a mangy dog, somebody who is uh, unwanted or, or unloved, uh, but rather is a playful term, uh, more like uh, rascal. Maybe that's true. Might be true. And, and, and clearly she one way or the other this woman deserves our respect because she stands right up to him whether she's being teased or whether she's being degraded she is standing right up and says uh, when he says it's not right take the food of the children and throw it to the dog she says lord okay so she uses the word lord all of a sudden he knows who again not to not to say he knows who's the the boss here that's not that's not the issue at all but he knows that she is a believer, even though she is a Gentile. You don't call somebody Lord unless you understand who they are and what they're coming from, okay, and where they're coming from. So she uses that title, Lord. Even the dogs under the table eat the children's scraps. She recognizes who she is. Even the rascals or even those whom you are, are, are degrading, even though they look to the children. They look to the children, the teachings of the children, and they feed off of them. Meaning, yes, I'm a Gentile. I live up here in, in Tyre and Sidon, which is Gentile territory. It's, it's as I said, modern-day Lebanon. But I hear the teachings, and I've been feeding off of them, not just today, but for a long time, so much so that I know who you are. And he sees her faith. He sees her faith. more than he sees her faith. I think both the woman and Jesus are to be credited here. The woman for her strength, the woman for her cunning, the woman for her her intellect uh, and her ability to to parry and counter, right? But Jesus, because he was able to move beyond whatever box he's using here, okay? Okay. Um, I don't know if, uh, if Jesus is insulting my, my understanding of Jesus's character is that that can't be it because he he doesn't do that anywhere else, anywhere else. Teasing, I can understand, you know, um, which is why this gospel is such a struggle for me, but I don't want to, I don't want to hide behind that and say, well, it must be that. I'm I'm just going to put it there and let the spirit move around and, and let us look at it from all sides here. But here are the two things I would urge us to ponder today. Is one, do we allow the larger culture to influence us? Okay, it says today that we need to be angry at this uh, nation state. Okay, so should I be angry at that nation state? It says I should be against this thing or that idea or attitude. Okay, so do I allow myself to be influenced by the popular culture or like whatever the popular culture likes or disagree with whatever the the popular culture disagrees with? I don't think we need to be contrarian simply to be contrarian. But I think, my friends, and, and again, this is, you know this, and, and, and I don't mean to be, um, I don't even know the word for it. I, I, don't, I don't want to be condescending. Um, But we need to engage on a level that says okay lord where do you come in to play here and how do you influence who i am brothers and sisters we would be naive if we said we are only who we are based on our own thoughts and ideas or even the the thoughts and ideas of god as best we understand god we are also influenced by the thoughts and ideas of our family we are also influenced by the thoughts and ideas of our friends we are also influenced by the thoughts and ideas of, of our nation state, of, of our, our church, of our communities, whatever it would be. And, uh, and to yesterday's point, we need to guard how we do that and, and with whom we associate to make sure that we are um, living the attitude that we believe God is inviting us to live. And uh, and and my question here is I don't know if Jesus was influenced by the culture of the day to look at Gentiles as dogs. Um, if it is, that's you know wow. But uh, but either way, let's say he's teasing here, okay? Let's let's use that. He's still saying there's a first and a second, that the children of Israel are first, and and you know you rascal. <laughs> <laughs> you, you little Dickens! You little son of a gun! You're you're you guys are second. You know, say it however you want. There's still an idea of first and second here, and the woman says, "Is there? Is there?" Because we really we eat what you're given to the first, and 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 again, my credit to Jesus is here is. He realized, yeah, there is no first and second here, and and of course I, I'm sure he knew it before. Maybe it was a bad day. Maybe he got up early. I don't I don't know. Maybe he did it so the woman would uh, would stand up, and he said, "Yep, you got it. You got where we're going." Maybe it's as simple as that. Either way, this is a gospel with which we struggle. But remember, if we put Jesus up there on the pedestal that he knew everything from the very beginning, remember that phrase in Luke where Jesus grew in wisdom and strength. He didn't just grow in strength. He didn't just grow bodily. He grew in wisdom. And, uh, and that means we, brothers and sisters, if Jesus had to be open to understanding more the fullness of his own mission and the wisdom uh, with which uh, he was being sent and, and had to open himself to the fullness of God as best he could, I think we do too. And, uh, and we need to make sure we are open as best we can, to realize we do not have yet the fullness of God, and we too can grow in wisdom and strength. Whatever it is that influences us, and and whatever firsts we have out there and other people are second or other things, that we need to grow beyond those things, because Jesus clearly, clearly in this gospel, regardless of intent, regardless of what that is, clearly he's saying there's no inside and outside here. All are one all are one. And if we are not at that place, my friends, this gospel urges us to move toward that. Whatever uh, is inhibiting us, whatever boulders are in our way, whatever traps along the way, we need to make sure we uh, go around those, go through those, go over or under those, and do not keep us from that idea that There is no first or second. There is no in or out. I can't be influenced by these things that are not helpful to me. But there is only one, because there is only one God. You know, my friends, today we celebrate a uh, feast day. It's the Feast of St. Scholastica. And so I guess all I'll say about Scholastica is she and Benedict were twin brother and sister. Now, I I have a, a great fondness for that, because as you know, many of you know, my youngest two kids are twin brother and sister, and and watching them grow together. You know, Renee and I had three kids first. As you know, our oldest, was his birthday was yesterday, Seamus. Uh, we had three kids first, and then four and five were Thaddeus and Aileen. Actually, Aileen and Thaddeus, because Aileen's 22 minutes older. But uh, we thought we had the parenting thing down with number one, two, and three. And then twins came along, and it's totally different. Well, here's Scholastica and Benedict are twins, and, uh, and to watch our kids grow and the closeness with which uh, they interact with each other and knowing each other's languages and, and just the way they laugh with each other and, and the inside jokes, but yet they also know the buttons to push, and, and they can be worst enemies. So here's Scholastic and Benedict. I mean, we're, we're made of the same ilk, that they, they came from means. But both of them left that, and uh, Benedict went and uh, did his studies in Rome. They were they were born in Italy, but they both went uh, and did. Well, he went to Rome and did his studies. She started a cloistered uh, um, religious community of women, and then he came back uh, to Monte Cassino and started the Benedictine Order, which is the oldest religious order in our church. And they were both within five miles of each other, and they would meet. I don't know if it was weekly or yearly, maybe it was yearly, uh, in an old farmhouse in between the two, and they would commune and pray and laugh and catch up for that day and then go back uh, toward each other, uh, toward their toward their own um, religious communities. And they carried that love for each other all their life. And And it's said that um, when Scholastica passed away, uh, and uh, she was 62 on that time. The Benedict was in prayer and he looked out and he saw her spirit rise uh, to the kingdom in the form of a dove. And he announced to his, uh, his brother Benedictines that his sister had died. And he gave her the very uh, tomb that he had uh, purchased for himself. Uh, and again, so they could be uh, close to each other, not only in life, but in death. So today we celebrate that love of two human beings for each other um, as siblings, but how that closeness and how that that bond between them even showed in their great love for God and how that love for God even drew them closer. So, my friends, let's bring all of this to prayer. And so we uh, continue through the glorious mysteries this week. And we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The fourth glorious mystery, Mary is assumed into heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful Thursday. And uh, I'm just so grateful that you can be present today to break open God's Word with me. God's peace.